Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and today I'm going to be talking to Dr. Reichard Lugutko, the Polish philosopher, politician, and a professor of philosophy uh, in Krakow, specializing in ancient philosophy and political theory. Now, I've wanted to talk to Dr. Lugutko for a long time. He's had a fascinating career. Those of you who follow along with this podcast will know that we recently talked to Rod Dreher of the American Conservative of about his book, Live Not by Lies, where he discusses how Christians weathered communism behind the Iron Curtain. And Dr. Lugutko actually also lived under communism for years. He was actually the editor of the Samizdat Quarterly Arca. And after the collapse of the communist regime, he co-founded the Center for Political Thought, which combines research, teaching, seminars, and conferences, and is also a publishing house. In 2005, he was elected to a seat in the Polish Senate, representing the Law and Justice Party where he became deputy speaker. And in 2007, he was Poland's education minister. In 2007-9, to he was the secretary of state and the chancellery of President Lech Kaczynski. He is currently a member of the European Parliament, where he sits on the Foreign Affairs Committee. He is the head of the Polish Law and Justice Delegation to the European Parliament and a co-chairman of the Conservatives and Reformist Parliamentary Group. He has written a phenomenal book called The Demon in Democracy, where he explains what he sees as the commonalities between communism and liberal democracy. And, of course, he witnessed this transition up close and in a very personal way. So I'm thrilled that he agreed to come on this podcast and have this conversation with us. And this is that conversation. So the first question I wanted to ask you to really set the stage is how would you describe growing up under communism for somebody who didn't? Well, it's, it's difficult for me to say because my perspective is of a person who was born under the old regime, under the communist system. Uh, so that's the whole experience that I have as a child or uh, uh, as a as a young man, I always imagined that people of, of my age at that time, young people of my age, had access to the uh, richness of uh, information, uh, who had uh, very many opportunities, uh, uh, not only for career making, but for developing their interests. Uh, I was uh, hoping that someday would come that uh, I could read any book I want to read. I could watch uh, any movie I want to watch. So I just uh, uh, imagine that uh, young people are uh, more or less of the same age living behind the Iron Curtain or at the other side of the Iron Curtain. Uh, for them, uh, life was just uh, a chain of uh, sublime pleasures. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, later on, I discovered that's not quite uh, uh, the, the case, but uh, that, that that was the, the, the primary uh, difference, at least the difference that I imagined uh, uh, to be uh, living in a closed world uh, uh, one stifling ideology and living in a society with a uh, thousand uh, 
flowers blossoming. When you were growing up, were you very aware of the 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 restrictions that communism placed on your everyday life? Well, that was was, uh, obvious, even uh, very, very simple thing like uh, going abroad. I mean, not going to the United States or uh, or Great Britain, but uh, visiting other communist countries was uh, it generated a lot of problems. You have to uh, uh, fill in many forms. Uh, uh, you have to uh, uh, fight the, the, the bureaucracy. Uh, yes, I mean, that was uh, obvious. I mean, uh, the existence of restrictions. Uh, that was the, the, the primary sensation that you have, right? the experience that you have. Uh, uh, the word is closed, that is, there are restrictions. Uh, and you have to learn how to uh, avoid those restrictions or how to fight them. How did your family, how did your parents, who, who obviously experienced the Second World War, how did they describe communism to you? How did they raise you in this context? Oh, that was very simple. My uh, my parents uh, uh, came from the territories, which uh, eastern territories of pre-war Poland, uh, which we uh, uh, lost after uh, the World War Two, and uh, they experienced both the German occupation and the Soviet occupation. So they knew uh, communism uh, firsthand before communism came to Poland. Uh, and for them, uh, which somebody might, today might find it uh, 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 strange or even uh, hard to believe, for them communism was a worse system, more diabolic than uh, uh, than the German occupation. The German occupation was extremely brutal, uh, but it was it was somehow predictable in its brutality. Uh, whereas the the Soviet system was not uh, was not predictable. The uh, uh, the, the Germans uh, wanted to destroy the uh, the, the, the enemies, kill them enemies. And uh, the, the Soviets wanted to destroy the enemies, but also to humiliate them. So you have to, if you were a victim, not only you had to suffer, but you have to thank your oppressors uh, uh, for uh, making your uh, life miserable. You have to show gratitude uh, to them. So they, uh, the aim was to to humiliate, you know, to make you uh, uh, nothing, to make you lose your self-dignity. So that was pretty awful. I never had the slightest uh, illusion about the communist system. Uh, from the the very first days of my uh, life, uh, so never even flirted with the idea of uh, joining the communist party or uh, falling into uh, uh, hope that uh, some kind of uh, socialist with a human face will emerge one day. No, uh, never, never, uh, ever. So uh, I was 
always uh, against communism. When did you begin to resist communism? Well, that depends what you mean by resist. I mean, uh, when uh, I was a young young boy, I, I did all sorts of uh, uh, pranks. Well, let's start there. Well, just uh, 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 writing uh, anti-communist slogans on the blackboard at school when nobody saw us and uh, things like that. And uh, uh, when you were when you were writing homework, I. Uh, Occasionally, I uh, uh, included some uh, anti-communism uh, uh, statements. I some got got away with it, so it wasn't really uh, it wasn't anything serious. But uh, but uh, I I liked doing it because uh, I had the feeling that it's something. You know, the worst uh, the worst feeling one could have is that you you don't do anything. You capitulate. I just wanted to pretend that I didn't capitulate, although I uh, I never believed uh, at that time that the system would ever fall. I I thought I would be living uh, in the communist system until the end of of my days, uh, but I at least I I pretended, you know, I pretended I want to want to make a difference. And then when did your formal resistance begin? Seriously, it started with the, the solidarity or just before before solidarity. That was late, late 1970s. That was the, the beginning of the uh, Samizdat, if we can use this Russian word, uh, right? Kind of end, underground pub publication. Uh, there were technical possibilities uh, for us to do it, so I was in, involved in that uh, as as a writer or as somebody who was distributing the uh, the the, the that publications. But later in 1980s, I uh, I was involved in uh, uh, in in launching and in uh, editing such a, a publication. And then it, it, it developed. I, I became a, a part of the uh, what was then called a democratic opposition. What sort of what sort of things did this uh, underground newspaper you worked with cover? What did you write about? What stories did you publish? It was a variety of uh, things that we published, including fiction. You could read uh, poetry or short stories, uh, reviews. Uh, political analyses, but also uh, political philosophy or political uh, theory. And it's a, it, was, it was a publication like, like several others at that time. It was a publication for intellectuals, that is for, or for educated people or for people who, even if they didn't have the formal education, they were seriously and sincerely interested in ideas, in literature. And there were many people like that. It was not uh, only university uh, people, not only journalists, not only intellectuals, as we uh, called them, but also uh, workers, but also uh, middle class uh, people, teachers and uh, engineers. Uh, that was one of the, I would say, uh, nice things, rather few nice things at the time, that uh, the, the group of uh, people interested in serious problems, in serious art and, and serious ideas was quite large. 
What are your memories of the fall of communism in Poland? Of course, I was thrilled. I mean, the the process was uh, quite long. Uh, it started, I would think, I would say, a, a year before the the actual collapse of of the regime. Uh, so you could see you could see clearly it was it was clear to everyone that the system was disintegrating, that uh, the communists were more and more more willing to uh, uh, to compromise and to uh, uh, get into some sort of uh, agreement with uh, uh, the solidarity people. And so we were watching it and we were only, uh, we were kind of involved too, but, uh, but I was not in this uh, negotiating uh, group. So I do know it from the first, uh, uh, hand, but we were we were worried that somehow our side would uh, go soft at a certain moment, uh, and they would they would withdraw, and uh, and 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 they, and they they did it at least uh, I th- I think it they, they did what was uh, possible at that time, and and then it uh, there was a domino effect uh, because you could see that the entire. Uh, communist uh, block uh, was falling into pieces, right? One uh, after uh, another. So uh, yes, yes, it, these were uh, happy uh, moments in in my life. Not as happy. Then again, it's paradoxical. Not as happy as the first solidarity, which ended dramatically because of the martial law. Uh, because this this first solidarity movement was something of an explosion that is you uh, you live in a drab gloomy society and then it changes overnight i mean it makes you really delighted uh, that's a unique experience i never uh, didn't have it before or after uh but yes when the system was falling i uh, uh, we we were happy too. We just hoped that uh, the, the the process would continue, but then later, of course, things became somewhat different. Uh, but that's that's a different story. How quickly did you start to identify commonalities between liberal democracy and communism? Quite uh, early, I would say. I mean, uh, soon after uh, the communist communist system fell. And I was watching what was happening in in my country, but uh, I could also see what was happening and how things were commented upon in Western Europe and and uh, and elsewhere. And I I discovered first uh, uh, that was the first uh, impulse, so to speak. I discovered that. Uh, uh, the former communists, whom uh, we consider to be uh, bad guys, and who were bad guys, no matter how you look at them, that those communism, communists all of a sudden became good guys, and uh, they became a part of the new system. They became uh, legitimate uh, co- both uh, 
evidence in the new system. Whereas uh, conservatives like myself, we were being pushed out of the uh, circle of respectability. Uh, that is, uh, the, the, the former communists were uh, uh, not only good guys, but they were also responsible, uh, moderate, uh, uh, middle-of-the-road, uh, European, uh, civilized. But we were uh, troublemakers, uh, uh, reactionaries, uh, uh, irresponsible, probably some of us uh, uh, insane and, and some clearly fascist. So, uh, uh, and not also, not, not only uh, ourselves, uh, that is uh, conservative uh, in intellectuals, uh, but also the, 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 the people and the groups that uh, were instrumental in making the system fall. The Catholic Church. Uh, without the Catholic Church, we would not have survived as a nation. And, uh, and, and then again, overnight, the Catholic Church became the enemy. And, uh, well, I said to myself, uh, there must be something wrong because, uh, the former communists who ruled the country now are ruling the country again. Whereas those of us or some of us who oppose the rule do not have access to the decision making processes and we are being pushed uh, uh, out and marginalized. Uh, so I said to myself, well, uh, uh, it's it's no incident that things like these are happening. There might be some uh, affinity, some deeper closeness uh, between the, the liberals uh, on the one hand and the, the communists or reform communists on the other. The Soviet Union uh, was never really condemned universally. Uh, yes, they, they, they say, uh, I mean, the mainstream people in uh, Western Europe, uh, but also here in Poland uh, after the, the fall of communism. Yes, the Soviet, uh, the Soviet Union had its uh, brutal uh, moments, but, uh, but on the whole, uh, uh, you know, you have to uh, look at it from different perspectives. Uh, you have to have a more, a more balanced opinion on that. After all, it was a powerful uh, modernizing force. Uh, it did a lot of good things too, uh, and 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 so on. And then I I, I I thought, well, maybe it is this modernization that makes communism so attractive, and that makes former uh, communist uh, friends to the current political and cultural. Establishment, this myth of modernization. They are, uh, the communists were modernizing the society. They did it uh, through brutal means, through uh, social engineering. And, and nowadays the liberals are doing the same. They also modernize. They don't use brutal means, but they are, they doing it quite, uh, I would say vehemently. 
and uh, they, they're committed to restructure the uh, the society to to recycle uh, the, the society and then i thought well i don't want to be recycled i i thought that uh, i i never uh, let the communists recycle me or restructure me so why should i uh, allow the liberals to to do that so i i said no and then uh, there were many more uh, similarities which i began to uh, notice and then uh, i i wrote this uh, the first in in polish and then in english one of the things I wanted to ask about the way you describe one of the commonalities is you talked about how it leads to a strengthening of what is common or base in a man at the expense of what is potentially great and noble, and that both communism and liberal democracy uh, does this. And this is obviously a profoundly cult- a countercultural statement to make amongst the the Francis Fukuyama, uh, you know, pro democracy. Folks, and even I admit, for 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 just a, a basic conservative, this idea is 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 kind of jarring when you read it for the first time. How would you explain that view? It derives from equality rather from egalitarianism. I mean, if you are an egalitarian, not only in 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 in, in, in politics, uh, but generally an egalitarian. Uh, if you are anthropologically egalitarian. If you believe that uh, we are uh, equal uh, in everything we do and say, uh, then it's obvious. Then you have to lower the the, the standards. If you introduce uh, uh, equality in education, uh, it's obvious uh, that uh, you have to lower the, the, the standards. If you want to have uh, media or art accessible to everyone, uh, you have to make it simpler or more uh, simplistic. And uh, and also, uh, uh, you cannot uh, uh, condemn the reactions which you find common or vulgar because they are typical of the majority of uh, of people. Uh, it was uh, perfectly explained in Plato, but in in modern age, it was uh, a democracy in America by Alexis uh, Tocqueville. He describes uh, how this uh, vulgarity is a is a part of of, of democratic uh, life and how the majority. Uh, doesn't like the, the the people who are different and uh, doesn't like anything that uh, makes other people look down at uh, at them so uh, the theorist of democracy talked were wondering whether it was uh, possible to introduce some kind of aristocratic uh, element so that that should be respect yes political equality yes equality before before the law, but uh, some sense of hierarchy, some sense of uh, proportion, whether it's possible to to do it, and then uh, and then the communists uh, uh, did a, a very uh, performed a very similar operation. They started with uh, liquidating the the, the hierarchies, uh, 
not only hereditary aristocracy or, or gentry, uh, but, but generally meritocracy. Uh, uh, you uh, you couldn't really uh, claim to be better in your field if you were uh, a specialist, uh, because it, it means that you uh, will become a master and then uh, uh, you will be uh, exploiting those uh, who are not as you are. It's a problem with equality. There are many problems with equality, but one of them is, is that it, it is such a monster that it is never satiated. I mean, it's, it's never satisfied. Uh, one would think that we, in a entire human history, and perhaps it is, but then you can see that equality uh, is the, the value number one. It's a battle cry nowadays, more equality, more equality. Uh, and in order to have more equality, you have to construct a, a powerful a bureaucratic and political machine in order to impose this uh, equality and to crush the opposition and to uh, track down every hierarchy that still exists. And once you find this hierarchy, you have to destroy it or undermine it. You can see that the, at, the at the universities, you can see it everywhere. Uh, so, so yes, this I think this is this uh, uh, equality going wild that is uh, behind this uh, triumph of commonality of of, of the of, of the vulgar and the common uh, nowadays. When you say vulgar and common, what would you use? Uh... Like something beautiful and transcendent to to contrast it with. So when when we're talking about people who have 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 grown base and attracted to the vulgar and the common, what are they being drawn away from? In your view, it's not uh, it's not uh, complicated. I mean, many things. I mean, the re religion is one thing. I mean, religion that uh, op opens you to something larger than yourself and higher than yourself, something infinite, whereas you are finite. Uh, so you you have to, uh, uh, if you are a religious person uh, in the true sense of the word, and if you understand religion, uh, you have to uh, acquire a sense of uh, proportion, uh, but also uh, beauty, uh, right? Beauty is something that uh, in, in which you see the the hierarchy. They are they are things that are beautiful, things that are beautiful uh, or less beautiful right and they are they are, they are things that are uh, they are uh, not only vulgar but they are repulsive this is interesting this attack on beauty nowadays right the attack of of, of uh, the attack on on literary or artistic canon that is uh, you cannot uh, say that these are the the, the masterpieces uh, because they are not masterpieces, uh, objectively. There is there is no objective hierarchy. I mean, that's the uh, what the, the, the egalitarians say. Also, uh, morality, goodness. We do not use uh, the, the word goodness or the good, uh, the beautiful and the good. We do not use it anymore. Uh, 
uh, we use uh, the concept of rights. We use rights, well, well, but we do not use uh, the, uh, the category of obligation or duty. There is the, the, the well-known French phrase, noblesse oblige. So, uh, right, if you consider yourself uh, uh, noble, uh, uh, right, uh, you, you, you aspire to something noble, you, you have obligations, not rights. So, uh, so that's what we, we are beginning to lose. Right? We are beginning to lose a sense of nobility, a sense of goodness, of, uh, of beauty, a sense of the transcendent, uh, a sense of honor. I mean, all these, these things that make the world plural and diverse. Uh, yes, we are using the word diversity, but in the opposite sense. Uh, diversity in, a, in an egalitarian society means that everybody is the same. Because what can make you differ is a hierarchy, not equality. Equality makes you similar to your neighbor, to everyone else. So the word diversity today, or the word pluralism, mean the opposite of what they used to mean. It means that you have, it means homogeneity, in fact. It's interesting. I had uh, Rod Dreher on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about the number of Christians uh, who who live behind the Iron Curtain who say that materialism has cost them more than communism did. When you look at your own nation, would you say uh, that there are things that Poland lost during democracy uh, that, that it didn't during communism? Yes, probably there are some things. It, it's difficult to find um, a cause, right, that is directly responsible for certain developments. We are a part of a, a huge uh, Western world, uh, and there are no borders, no frontiers. And even if there were uh, nowadays uh, uh, ideas, types of behavior, they move easily all over the world. Uh, so it's difficult to say, uh, to find this uh, uh, cause-effect uh, uh, relation. But uh, I, I already mentioned that, uh, that there are, there are few, uh, uh, fewer people who are interested in uh, serious art or in serious uh, uh, ideas. That was something uh, attractive. At that time, probably one of the reasons was that uh, our access to uh, mass culture was limited, and uh, mass culture is also the, the effect of democracy, right? It's a democratic uh, phenomenon. Mass society uh, has, has mass culture. So, so we have mass culture, we have this dumbing down uh, things uh, going on. A fewer people are interested uh, in uh, in serious matters. Uh, all the publications uh, uh, that uh, still exist and they are that that are devoted to serious matters uh, have incessant financial problems. Uh, they are. Uh, the the, the 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 readers are are fewer and fewer right so yes we 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 lost uh, something i'm not sure this is materialism uh, 
but uh, probably all all these uh, factors play a, a, a certain role. I I have a sense of uh, of, of shallowness uh, that uh, that that surrounds me even at at the university uh, university that. Uh, should be the the best place with uh, freedom uh, has lost it too uh, and uh, seeking more money they uh, had to give up the high standards and uh, enter the the market and uh, education uh, uh, a market commodity with people, uh, results. Yes, we lost something. I uh, I always hesitate with uh, uh, making uh, strong conclusions. Uh, that is, I don't know, we, we, we could have saved uh, a lot. Uh, on the one hand, I think that th these developments which we are watching everywhere are so powerful that they are irresistible. On the other hand, uh, uh, I, I'm a politician. I cannot accept irresistibility of certain processes. A politician is somebody who makes things happen, right? He cannot capitulate. But also, I, I, I remember in my young days, I, I also believed communism to be invincible and irresistible, and mm. it fell after all. So uh, uh, yes, the situation is rather, rather complicated. I think part of the problem is that democracy, liberal democracy in general, uh, has uh, m uh, made people devoid of uh, reflection or self-reflection. It's a very thoughtless system. I mean, you uh, take uh, a lot of uh, things for granted. You uh, you accept this language. Uh, you ex you explain all those cliches. Uh, 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 well, it's it's democracy. You are f you are free. Uh, uh, you can you have all all sorts of rights. Uh, you can say and do what what you want. You live in a pluralistic society, and uh, and people are just overwhelmed by this this uh, stupefying uh, rhetoric, and they. Uh, uh, it never crosses the mind that this rhetoric uh, uh, doesn't uh, uh, correspond to reality anymore. Uh, so, th so there is uh, uh, somehow liberal democracy has deprived people of this critical spirit. Also, all the word critique is on the lips of everybody. Uh, but then, then, then again, people talk about uh, critique as as they. Uh, or criticism, they talk about pluralism, but that used to mean. So this thoughtlessness, this lack of uh, criticism, is partly responsible, and it's uh, it makes me very irritated. Uh, also, uh, at the in, in the in the university life, and I'm at the university. So you quoted de Tocqueville on democracy, and it's interesting. In that same book, uh, de Tocqueville said that the reason democracy in America survives is because, quote, the pulpits flame with righteousness, that it was the churches that were the heart of America. And in, in 21st century democracy, 
this soul of it or the hollow space where the soul should be is secularism. So do you think that your critique applies to all democracy or simply liberal democracy? Could we have democracy undergirded by a framework of meaning and faith? And would that be something tenable and viable in the 21st century? We can, of course, make a, a, a thought experiment. I mean, uh, we can imagine the, 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 the good society. What would the best uh, uh, system be uh, like? Uh, Yes, I, I think that the, the democracy, any democracy, is not able to recreate the the moral uh, preconditions of its uh, existence. It rather uh, exhausts the, the conditions uh, and doesn't doesn't recreate them. So so these conditions have to come from from outside. Well, well maybe from 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 religion. Uh, maybe from uh, 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 national tradition. Uh, there, there must be must be something. Uh, so I think it 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 applies to every de- de- democratic system, uh, uh, liberal de- democracy in in particular, because liberalism uh, weakens uh, all these. Uh, 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 sources of uh, well, ideas and, and uh, the, the spiritual sources that can give uh, uh, energy and, and vitality to uh, a democratic uh, uh, society. Uh, but uh, but my, I made the, the 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 argument in my in my book that uh, not a very original argument. Uh, I wasn't the first to make it that uh, uh, that the, the best system we can imagine is. Uh, is a mixed regime or a, or a mixed system that is uh, a democracy which is combined with uh, some uh, uh, other elements like aristocracy or monarchy. We know that, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, the United States, which uh, nowadays uh, or has been called for for many many decades uh, the, the, the democracy. Uh, was not in fact uh, contrived as a, a democracy, right? It was contrived as a as a repub- republic, as a kind of uh, mixed uh, uh, regime. But uh, uh, but but again, when uh, Alexis de Tocqueville visited the United uh, States, uh, it was uh, about uh, 50 years after the uh, the Declaration of Independence or the the, the American Constitution. Uh, then uh, he he never had any doubts that it was a, a democratic society, but uh, but I think un- until the 20th century these elements of mixed uh, mixed regime existed in the in the United uh, uh, States. Uh, the Americans didn't have their own uh, aristocracy, but they had a kind of uh, Equivalent of their own the, the democracy. If you if you if you if we watch old American movies, you see how the the protagonists be, behave. You can see a, a western, right? Uh, uh, sheriffs, uh, cowboys, uh, uh, bar girls in in Dodge City, and and most of them behave like perfect ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so there was this desire. Right, desire to behave different, di- differently. I was always struck by by this genteel touch in American culture, which I, I think, at a certain moment, probably the 
the half, the, the second half of the 20th century, it, it disappeared. So even if uh, such a democratic uh, society as, as as America, you you had this, and uh, I, I I very much uh, regret and, and deplore the disappearance uh, of thinking along these lines, even in Europe, right, which which had a, a feudal tra tradition and, and aristocratic tradition and and. Uh, and, and tradition of hierarchy, it's it is is disappearing now. This is interesting because uh, for for somebody who is a politician to be talking about democracy and all of its ills, uh, what I'm really interested in in knowing is when you look at what Viktor Orban is attempting in Hungary, when you look at what law and justice is is attempting in Poland, and obviously these are very different parties, but to some degree they're both pointing to the same sorts of things, the, the transcendent things that have been left behind. What do you think the potential is for the party that you represent uh, at the EU or uh, for you know Orban's party in Hungary to try and essentially center democracy in these deeper things, in the first things? Well, it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's not easy in my country because this anti-conservative uh, forces are quite strong. And uh, and they uh, they are supported by by everyone. I mean, you have to be aware that in Europe or in the European Union, but also in Europe as such, uh, Poland and Hungary are the only two countries in which you have uh, conservative governments. Even in, in the United Kingdom, I mean, you have a conservative government. But but it's not uh, what it used to be, as 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 we know. It's completely different. I had uh, uh, friends uh, uh, among the British Tories, and uh, they were very frustrated by this uh, change uh, of the ideological profile of the Conservative Party. So you have to be aware that there are two small countries. I mean, one is very small, Hungary, and the other, Poland, is, well, it's not big, okay? Uh, and it's Eastern Europe, so it's this uh, inferior part of Europe, in a way. Inferior in the sense we do not have as much uh, power politically as, as, as Western Europe. So we are in a, in a very difficult situation, and everybody is against us. Not only the, the, the parties, the, the governments, not only the European institutions, yeah, uh, but also uh, the, the media, uh, culture, and NGOs. I mean, everybody is uh, against us. So, so it's not easy to, uh, to survive, uh, especially that, uh, well, East Europeans have this uh, inferiority complex. Uh, that they are these, these poor cousins, uh, and uh, and in a way we are treated like poor cousins. Uh, I mean, we uh, the our Western West European friends, they they say, uh, well, we want to help you. We are your friends. Uh, we can give you good advice, uh, and it's uh, <laughs> it's so condescending. Condescending. We never say uh, something like this to them. 
I mean, yes, we are your friends, but they give you a good advice. Do something about this or that, right? So it, it's only one way. Uh, so, so it's uh, so so it's it's, it's difficult, uh, but well, politics is not easy. So, mm. so so we have to uh, try. Um, I'm 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 hoping that uh, in some uh, not too distant future, you could uh, see a reverse trend in Western Europe. I mean, there are some symptoms symptoms of it, but uh, the the, sim the symptoms are too weak. So we have to wait to wait we have to wait. I mean, nothing in history, nothing is forever. That's very interesting because what I wanted to ask you about was when you look at populism taking place right across the Western world, you look at Trump, you look at Brexit, you look at Vox, you look at law and justice, you look at Viktor Orban. Now, obviously, all of these contexts are wildly different. Um, they have some commonalities here and there. But you have a lot of people trying to explain away populism by simply looking at various unmet policy needs or various unhad discussions surrounding immigration and things like that. But to what degree do you think that populism is at its root a crisis of meaning in politics that people are sort of responding to? I don't use the, the, the word populism uh, because uh, the, the word... It, has a negative connotation man it's the word that you that was has been used against us as an invective right uh to uh uh to uh, uh de de decrease the, the the importance of the value of we, we are doing uh i think uh, we represent uh, the, the democratic politics and we were elected we didn't rig the elections, right? We have wide support. Uh, Orban has a wider support uh, in in his country. I mean, that is a perfectly democratic uh, uh, procedure. I was uh, before I, I answer this question. Uh, I, I I start with uh, saying that uh, I was I was very much uh, upset by uh, the results of the elections in the United States because. Uh, Trump, whatever you think of his policies, he was he was the politician, and the the United States uh, and the Trump administration uh, weakened this political monopoly uh, which we have in the entire Western world, because it's it's monopoly, uh, ideological political uh, monopoly of of the same the same parties the same ideology they may be called differently uh, but they are the, the same the same mainstream parties and uh, Trump from our perspective was good because he, well even if he well we weren't uh, close allies we were probably too small to be important allies to him but uh, 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 but he made this side stronger. I mean, our side stronger. Uh, whereas with Joe Biden, he will uh, uh, close ranks with the uh, uh, European Union, and this hegemony will be even more brutal. So uh, they 
dictate to us what we have to do. Uh, they want to switch off our institutions and impose the political will on us, and they call it democracy. But when we say, look, we will not obey you because we have a democratic mandate from the voters, and say they say, no, 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 it's populism. So uh, from top down, right, once you have the monopoly, is democracy, uh, but when you uh, are legitimized by the results of the election, that's uh, that's populism. So I think the the the, the primary reaction was the uh, the rejection of this monopoly. I mean, we didn't want to be dictated to, uh, and uh, 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 we wanted to be in independent. I mean, after. If uh, you engage people in the electoral process uh, and you diagnose a situation and you say this is bad, this should be changed, and you want to do it, right? And and the voters have confidence in you and vote for you, and then somebody from outside comes and says, no, you cannot do it, you will not allow you, then you become angry. And a lot of people in Poland uh, became uh, uh, became angry. Uh, so that was, I think that was the, the, the first reaction uh, uh, of what is called uh, populism. But, uh, but it, it was, it was anger, not just and simple, it was because uh, uh, you are not allowed to uh, uh, manage your own affairs and to improve the, the, the situation which you know is bad and needs Im- improvement. What is your long-term view of how all of this will play out? And I know I know that we you've already said we don't know how history will play out, but would you make a prediction? Do you have do you have a hypothesis about where this is heading? This meaning meaning what? The entire Western world or Poland yes. or Poland and Hungary? I would say say the West, but then also in relation to Poland and Hungary. Europe doesn't look good. I mean European Union doesn't look good. Uh, they have uh, become more and more arrogant. They overspend they become they have become infatuated with uh, silly ideologies uh, we are living in the time of crisis uh, economic pressure uh, unemployment and uh, they are overspending on the green deal which is a costly extravaganza uh, so uh, so I think they are doing everything they can to undermine uh, their own status, which from my perspective or from our perspective is good. But uh, the, 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 catast- the political catastrophe uh, has also bad side effects. Uh, but, uh, well, they are in, in, the, communist, in the communist Poland uh, that the communism is a system uh, that courageously fights with the difficulties it itself has created. So uh, 
I think that's uh, exactly what the EU has been doing. I mean, it creates uh, uh, problems and then desperately seeks this, the solution. And, and the solutions are, uh, uh, make things e even worse. Uh, so th this, the system becomes more and more un unworkable and, and inefficient. I mean, it's, it's too big. Uh, and it takes more and more competences. So, so uh, I, I think we are all in more, more, more trouble. And the, 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 the crisis, uh, the next serious crisis of the, of the European Union may be the, the last uh, uh, crisis. If not, uh, then uh, Things will de deteriorate. I don't know for for uh, how long. Whether we will survive, whether the conservative forces will survive uh, in in Europe. Uh, well, I already I already said it's uh, it's extremely difficult, but uh, we're doing everything we can. My final question is about uh, Anne Applebaum's book, uh, Twilight of Democracy. Did you have a chance to read that book? No, not not really. But uh, I read uh, reviews. I didn't. Didn't get hold of it. I know more more or less what she writes. She she uh, uh, I know that uh, she's uh, uh, anti Orban very very much, uh, uh, but uh, she has her own uh, I think uh, a game to play, and uh, there is a lot about uh, British politics. The title is ridiculous because uh, maybe there is a twilight of democracy, but not in the sense in which she means it. Mm. And uh, I, I do not really uh, respect very much uh, Anne Applebaum uh, when she writes about uh, Poland, and she writes a lot about uh, Poland uh, because uh, she is uh, she's working for her husband. I mean, she represents her her husband's agenda, and her husband is. Uh, uh, one of the most uh, outspoken uh, anti-law justice uh, in in Poland, uh, so uh, she shouldn't uh, a clear conflict of interest. I mean, mm -hmm. she should keep silent. Uh, she's personally involved in Polish politics uh, through her husband. So, so, uh, so she whatever she writes about uh, Poland in, is is advancing her husband's agenda and it's it is therefore disqualified and uh, and uh, worthless well professor thank you so much for taking so much time to talk with us we really appreciate it ladies and gentlemen that was our conversation with dr richard lugutko about his book the demon in democracy and what we see happening both across the west and the east thanks so much for joining us if you want to listen to other conversations just like this please go to the podcast tab at lifesitenews.com check out the van Maren show you can listen to podcasts you can check out past shows you can subscribe to make sure that you get future shows delivered right to your inbox you can get us wherever you find your podcasts once again thanks so much for listening and we hope you'll join us again next week.